0: Friends, today we continue our journey through the Gospel of Luke uh, hearing two stories about healing today. Uh, Last week we heard two stories about Jesus uh, working on the Sabbath, feeding people and healing people, and the ways that he expanded our understandings of what it means to be faithful. Well, since that reading and the one we have today, um, Jesus has uh, spent the intervening time preaching what is known in Luke as his Sermon on the Plain. It's the, uh, it's the sort of Luke's version of what Matthew records as the Sermon on the Mount. And I just wanna say something about this because it's important for understanding Luke. In Matthew's uh, version of the Sermon on the Mount, we hear the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. But in Luke, his version of the Beatitudes says just blessed are the poor. Where Matthew says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Luke says, blessed are those who hunger. And it's one of the ways that we know Luke is really interested in the concrete, real economic needs of the people, and particularly people on the margins. Uh, Luke goes on in his sermon on the plain to uh, reference loving one's enemies uh, and not judging others. And then we come to the passages that we have today, where once again Jesus seems to demonstrate what he has just uh, taught. And so in this story, we're gonna hear about a centurion, uh, basically a Roman soldier who carried uh, military power and privilege and how the centurion comes to Jesus for help. And then we'll also hear about Jesus um, healing the son of a widow a woman who is in great pain and is on the brink of becoming destitute. So let us listen for the word of God.
1: A reading from the Christian Testament, Luke chapter 7, verses 1 through 17. After Jesus had finished all his sayings in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum, a century in there had a slave who, slave who he valued highly and who was ill and close to death. When he heard about Jesus, he sent some Jewish elders to him, asking him to come and heal his slave. When they came to Jesus, they appealed to him, earnestly saying, He is worthy of having you do this for him, for he loves our people, and it is he who built our synagogue for us. And Jesus went with them. But when he was not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to say to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. Therefore, I did not presume to come to you, but only speak the word and let my servant be healed. For I also am a man set under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my slave, do this and the slave does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him. Turning to the crowd that followed him, he said, I tell you, not even in Israel have I found such faith. When those who had been sent returned to the house, they found the slave in good health. Jesus raises the widow's son at Nain. Soon afterwards, he went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a large crowd went with him. As he approached the gate of the town, a man who had died was being carried out. He was his mother's only son, and she was a widow, and with her was a large crowd from the town. When the Lord saw her, he had compassion for her, and he said to her, Do not weep. Then he came forward and touched the bier, and the bearer stood still. And he said, Young man, I say to you, rise. The dead man sat up and began to speak, and Jesus gave him to his mother. Fear seized all of them, and they glorified God, saying, A great prophet has risen among us, and God has looked favorably on his people. This word about him spread throughout Judea and all of the surrounding country.
0: So today is an intergenerational Sunday, when we intentionally engage our sacred story across uh, generations, and we help to nurture intergenerational relationships in our congregation. Well, as our planning team was planning for our service today, um, we actually struggled a little bit to figure out what theme did we want to focus on, what nugget from the story was speaking to us. We each had uh, different ideas about what we wanted to highlight, and that's the beauty of scripture, uh, that we each bring our own experiences, our own lenses, our own stories, and we can pull different things from our lives Uh, from the story for our lives. And so uh, that's what we decided to do with this service. Instead of picking one theme, we decided to ask four people from our congregation to just look at this text and to think about what it means for us today and to share what it means for us today. And so we have uh, Lauren Dole and Jim Crane, who are two of our regular participants in Bible study, along with uh, Katie Diaz and myself, Um, here just to share across our own experiences uh, what we hear in the scripture today. So um, we're going to model this a little like we do with Bible study, which is to begin always with a question about what strikes us in the text, what stands out to us or jumps out to us. And then we usually have lots of conversation in the middle. And then we always end Bible study with uh, what does What does the story mean for us today? What do we hear for our lives today? Uh, So today we'll be hearing um, just the perspectives of each of us about what strikes us and what do we hear in the story today? So I'm gonna invite us now into this conversation and begin by um, asking all of us, as you read this text uh, earlier this week and again this morning, what struck you in this story?
2: Should I jump? I'll jump in. <laughs> um, <clears throat> even though it's a physical healing, it's—I uh, feel like the physical healings were places of um, that got a lot of attention. And what I kind of notice when I'm doing the Bible study, I feel these. There's always a deeper message with the healing. Um, and for this one, for the two passages, I kind of thought of the heart. Um, and throughout the Bible, it sort of says when Jesus was talking to the Jewish community, it's not about your acts of, you know, ritual, washing your hands, God wants your heart. And, um, and I also thought about when, uh, in Matthew, he asked what's the greatest commandment and it's love God and love thy neighbor. And I feel that both of these stories are illustrations of that command of loving your neighbor and your God and your heart. And I thought of the centurion in his really high position. He could have been arrogant, he could have been self serving, he could be mean, but he used his position for good and he helped his community um, and the well being of his slaves, helping with the synagogue. He had friends around him. And then he was also very humble. And when you just reread this, it just, when he said, I, for I myself am a man under authority and people I can send people to do is he saying, oh, I'm a man under authority. You're a man under authority, God. So I know you have the power and the ability to do this. And he is showing his faith, Mm -hmm. um, And then, so he loved God and he loved his neighbor, reinforcing that. And then with the widow, um, I feel like that's showing Jesus's heart. And um, there's like no worse circumstances as a woman having lost her husband and then her only child. And I get the feeling of Jesus being, you know, when you talk of people being highly empathetic Mm
3: -hmm. and they
2: just are very sensitive to the sorrow and hurt of other people and just how that is like, a situation of grief that can be so crushing mm-hmm. you know, losing your only child but also having lost your husband and just Jesus's heart just reaching out to her and um yeah so just sort of the heart and then um and also thinking about all the people that were witnesses to this and and touching their hearts and telling the story and the Jewish elders and the crowd at the funeral and all these witnesses, um, would that experience and observing that change their hearts and open up their hearts?
0: Yeah, great. Thank you, Lauren.
3: Well, like Lauren, uh, um, the, it struck me that the centurion um, was a, a person of power and uh, and. Uh, was going to extraordinary means to get help for a slave that was very striking um, um, and um and and his statement about comparing the powers was was pretty interesting too. his uh, uh, recognizing jesus power by uh saying it was that he that that he also had power and he knew what power could do. Mm-hmm. Um, what else in that story? Um, well, moving to the widow's story, the two things that I remember that struck me were, were um, one was that um, Jesus touched, in my Bible it says the beer and, and that's the coffin and the notes say that that in um, uh, uh, Judaism was, was an impure thing to do and so it was really, really out of the ordinary. Um, another thing that struck me was the notes in the Bible that said that the um, um, there was a quote there, and it's from Elijah. Uh, I don't have it, um, and and Elijah is. very old text that starts with David's death and and of course Jesus comes through the line the Davidic line but the fact that that Luke um, includes that as part of the uh, Jesus saying is um is interesting it it struck me
0: yeah Jesus Um, picks up on some of those words of the ancient prophets yeah in that healing story yeah
3: So that's, that's all I remember right at this moment.
0: Great.
1: Thanks, Jim. How about you, Katie? Yeah. I mean, I think anytime you're reading a story about Jesus, I'm always like struck by whatever I think is going to happen, like doesn't or, and even the people in the story, like whatever they think is true is not. And, you know, he's always reversing our expectations. And I think you see that both in the story with the soldier um, and the widow as well, um, kind of like Jim was saying, like, you expect the soldier to kind of, you know, be this not very faithful person, not somebody who's going to look at Jesus um, as someone who could help him. Um, and he does. Um, and then with the widow and her son, it, uh, like Jim was saying as well, like, the fact that they're doing a processional, like they think that the son's life is like gone, like it's over at this point. And that means the widow's social life is gone as well. Like she's kind of finished. Um, It's, there's no turning back for her. And I think both of these people both the widow and the soldier are on the margins of the society we're looking at, um, just in very different ways. but Jesus doesn't count either of them out. He still sees them and loves them. And both, I think probably both the soldier and the widow are surprised. I think the soldier is surprised that probably Jesus will actually, you know, buy into him and see him and be a, do what he wants. And then I think the widow is probably just surprised because, I mean, who wouldn't be surprised by someone um, dying and then coming back? Um, But yeah, this you know, continued theme of like Jesus surprising us is really present here um, and in such a powerful way of like including people um, regardless of the way in which they're marginalized and not counting people out just because of their social status. That's what, what really struck me. Thank you.
0: Yeah, and I think for me, the word I kept coming back to was just compassion and mercy. I think that's similar to what you were talking about, Lauren, too. Um just the the and, and you too, Katie. I mean, the idea that the centurion is here's a man of really power, power and privilege who doesn't need to care and yet does, and actually uses his power and privilege and status to get to to work all his sources to try to get help by sending friends and trying to get this leader who he who he sees as a healer, even though he's not Jewish himself. It's not his own faith necessarily, but he believes in that power and, and has compassion for the people beneath him. Um, and And Jesus has that same compassion toward the centurion, even just hearing about him. He's never even met him. He never meets him, never meets the slave. And yet there's that compassion that Jesus shows. And then I think also the compassion that Jesus shows for the widow is really powerful in just seeing her in this procession. And I imagine him just seeing her face and her pain and just that visceral response of like, oh my goodness, this, this woman and, and wanting to do something to help. And, and even though she has no proclamation of faith, she doesn't ask for any help. It's just his compassion that deeply moves him to act. So that's what stuck out uh, to me. So now I want to uh, kind of invite us uh, to think about and to share, as we've had some time to just even reflect again this morning and think on this story. What do we hear in it for us today? What are you What are you hearing for your own life, or uh, what it means to us in this day in our lives in our world?
2: Should I go? Yeah. yeah? So, how about you? Sure. Okay. Um, so. I- you know, I kind of, it was envisioning like what Jesus's day looked like for each of those times going to the town and and thinking about, did he do centering prayer before he started today? How did, how did he know to go to Capernaum and to, was it night? Did, was it that guidance? Did he get that spiritual guidance? Like, oh, okay, I'm supposed to go there today, but he doesn't know why it, I mean, for me in this passage, I don't know if others are different. It seemed like He wasn't looking for this and it just sort of presented itself to him. And it made me think about my day and instead of going through the day sort of wrapped up in my own issues, trying to start the day and say, okay, being open to however I can serve God throughout that day and having my antenna up. And when it's presented to me, I can then respond and be aware of it. And, um, and it's not big things, you know, what Jesus did was a big thing, but is it little things? I think about my sister, wherever we go, she's always picking up garbage. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you know, any opportunity that garbage presents itself, she will stop and she will pick it up and either carry it to a garbage can. I mean, that's a little thing, but, um, just the little acts of kindness that, may being aware of those opportunities and um, and it's it's not a new thing it's not I you know that's always been a concept I'm aware of but this is just kind of reinforcing that of um, how I can help in little ways because when you talk about big ways it gets a little overwhelming but I can do little things yeah. throughout the day
3: great
0: thank you so much Lauren Jim how about you
3: well, let's see. Um, I think the story of, of the um, the centurion in a way surprised me because I'm reading Cast right now, mm-hmm. and and the, and that book has 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 really shocked me, and because I didn't believe that I was in a cast, and the book has made me believe that yeah, really I do. Um, Subconsciously, uh, consider myself uh, in a caste. I don't want to, but but uh, probably that's probably been my life. And so I recognize that here's the centurion, and it's clear there's caste system there. Slaves, and and Jesus was a was in a lower lower echelon, and so the centurion is really, in a way. Breaking all of the things that subconsciously he not just consciously but subconsciously has been has grown into him, and um, I think that that's um, that, that, that's a model for me as to what I can strive to do. Whenever I'm feeling powerful, I can instead of commanding something or, or buying it, I can ask for it, and mm. and. Uh, so that that was pretty powerful for me
1: thank you thanks jim
3: how about you katie
1: yeah um i think i just would am so like you can't count anybody out like i look at this the story of the century and when i first heard it like the main thing i was thinking in my own life is like I know some people who are like centurions, like they're powerful and they have the privilege and I automatically count them out, even if I don't know them at all. Like, I'm like, Ugh, they, they're they just the worst. Like, that's kind of how I automatically think, which is not good. Um, and I think, you know, this story kind of reinforces that for me. Like, I, I can't count anybody out, whether they're at like the margins in terms of like they're oppressed. Like, I mean, obviously I shouldn't count them out. And I think I know that and get that reinforced a lot, but I don't remember as much, like even those people who are in more privileged positions, like I have to give them a chance and I should still love them and care for them. And I think the other thing too, in just like reflecting on the power of God um, is to just think about the things God can do in my own life. Like I've, think about like the widow feeling like she's just probably finished. Like, that's it. And I have definitely had moments in my life where I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to like come back for the from this or like this is just the worst. Or I can't do anything like I'm helpless. And just to I feel like kind of open my own mind up to like God can do really powerful things and use me in powerful ways and other people can, um, you know, shine God's love on me, you know, so Um, just I guess the power of God and inclusion is something that really I think it reminds me of Mm. thank you
3: I I also wanted to say something about um, uh, the story of the widow
0: yeah
3: Uh, because the note in the I really was affected by the note that said that Jesus was doing something impure he was going against teachings Mm -hmm. and that's and being willing and it's important to me and I've I've always been a little bit scared to do it but it has been important to me to always question what the rules are and question the rules and see if they're applicable and sometimes it's pretty hard to break them when when I think it's necessary because of what I because I'm scared of the consequences but that it, for me it came through as more a more than a praise of Jesus it, it came through as a way of life for me that um, mimics or, or follows the pattern that, that Jesus sets repeatedly. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, thank you. And I think much of what you all have said is, is relates to kind of what I've been thinking about, which is, yeah, this idea of authority and compassion and mercy. And I think the power of God to transform us and transform our hearts and <clears throat> minds. And, and I know for me, I think, I often think, I, I like to think I do empathy well. And then I have these moments where I'm like, oh, but I'm not really hearing people's stories, or I'm not really paying attention to people's pain, or I'm not, I'm not using the privilege that I have in the ways that I, that I want to, um, or could. And, and I, and so I feel like this story calls me to just to deeper empathy, I think, and, and empathy that works for transformation, both personally and I think communally. I mean, I think with Jesus, like you said, Katie, he crosses these boundaries of like the centurion who's, who's an enemy and who, who he clearly, like you said, could have written off. And yet um, he sees a connection there and he sees a connection to this widow, even though he doesn't know them personally, but he he can be compassionate and empathize. And so I think, especially as I'm doing my own work around white supremacy also, and just how can I hear the stories? Maybe even of people I don't even know, but how can I hear those stories and and continue to be moved toward both compassion and then action um, to work for, for healing and transformation? Well, thank you all. Thank you so much. And this is just such a rich conversation, even just with the four of us to hear the different perspectives and what we learn and what we bring. And to me, that's the beauty of this time together. It's the beauty of Bible study each week. It's the beauty of many of the ways that we gather as church when we have an opportunity to learn from each other and to wrestle with our traditions and our stories and just share our experiences with each other. So I want to thank, uh, Thank you, Lauren, Jim, and Katie for participating in this conversation and thank all of you in the congregation for being part of this. And we'd love to know what you think um, as you heard this story, what struck you in this, in this story and what speaks to you in your life today. So uh, we'd love to know more. Uh, thank you again. And may God continue to bless us with justice, with compassion, with inclusion, with having our antenna up to pay attention to the people in our lives and God's spirit in our world. Amen.